places I have been for, what, 20 years at least. Our resident historian, Glenn, his and her story and our story and with the story of our struggles. Good on you, Glenn. Good morning. Good morning, Susanna. And of course, good morning, listener. And we are, we are part of 3CR's history because I've had a constant segment on your show since 1994. In 1994, the Premier, I won't mention the Victorian Premier, the Australian Prime Minister was Mr. Keating. Uh, people hadn't heard of um, Donald Trump. Um, Pauline Hanson was some sort of fish shop owner in the back blocks of outback Queensland. Um, Yes, we've come a long way together on my little segment on your show. So, so that's yes. 23 years then. Uh, maths isn't a fault of mine. No. I'm, I'm post-grad qualified in history, but not in mathematics. So yes, um, maths is not a fault I can yes. comment on. Yes, well, I failed um, long division in grade four in primary school and never really caught up. Well, I lost my chalk in grade one and I couldn't do my sums and I never regained that day. That day was lost forever. Sad, isn't it, how those small things can, you know, sort of traumatise as you lose your mm. chalk. And I fail long division. I still can't work out long but division. little things, big things grow. And because I was bad at maths, learning about history. That's why I'm talking on your show right now. Well, I learned some decimal stuff. It was much easier. There you go. We, mm. we both end up cooking with gas. <laughs> can't, even, can't even cook with gas anymore. Look, I hardly cook because of the cost of it. Well, we export most of our gas, but apparently it's it's not the issue. It's the, we don't allow fracking. It's the big problem. Oh, and also we use too much. I've got a nice letter. From the energy thing. Oh, that's oh, yes. my electricity. That's what the nice lad from them telling me. You know, it's basically that I use too much electricity. Actually, the last gas bill I got pointed out that I use too much gas. Well, sorry, it's my heating. It's my water. It's modernity. We need to use it. Well, it's I have hot water. When yeah. I turn on the hot water, that's gas. When I turn on the stove, that's gas. They don't seem to. Re- I don't turn on the heater anymore. Yeah. I rarely turn it on in winter. Well, if your bill's too high, how, how high are the bills in the mansions in Turak and these places? Or are they separate issues? We can't discuss it. So oh, they're subsidised. That's politics of envy, is it? Oh, that may be politics of envy, yes, yeah, indeed. Yeah. And no, but, but my electricity bill tell me that, that I use too much. And, and if I turn off some things this summer, I can save $25. And when I look down at what I can turn off, you know what I can turn off? Your life support? No. My air conditioning. Oh, great, yeah. I That's don't have air conditioning. Well, we put wet towels over your windows. And like... I, can turn, I can turn off my pool pump. Which you don't have. Well, I don't have a pool pump. I don't have a uh, pool. pool. Well, I can put wet towels over your windows, like an old Coolgardie safe, and make your house cool. That's, a, that's the modern way of thinking to support the power company. Cause the, and the power company's doing it hard, you know. It's a hard life being a, a multinational power corporation, so... You may sneer, Glenn, I but do I sneer. do put cold, the, the wet towels around the place. I do. Well, I close all the blinds and doors. Yeah, <laughs> so do I. It's but not but rocket science. Back, I've got, yeah. Look, oh, um... Well. And the, occasionally turn on the fan. A couple of events this week. Um, we've discussed both in more detail over the years, and I'll just touch on both briefly today. Um, today is the 13th of October. Monday was the 9th of October, a day that a lot of people call Peter Norman Day. Peter Norman was a great Australian athlete. He, um, he still holds the Australian record for 200 metres. He, came, he won silver in the 1960 Olympics, and Mexico, and the time he set still stands 49 years later. Um, Peter Norman is famous not just for holding a record for almost 50 years, because he had the decency to stand on the podium with the American athletes Tommy Smith and John Carlos when they raised their fists in the human rights salute in 1968. 
And for the temerity of Peter Norman, Peter Norman was no radical. He was um, grew up in a Salvation Army home, a good Christian. But he had the decency to support Tommy Smith and John Carlos. And the uh, the way he was treated was um, the Australian Olympic Committee decided he would uh, no longer run for Australia again. This was never said openly. It was never said explicitly. He never ran for Australia again. And in the Sydney Olympics in 2000, the Australian Olympic Committee gave medals, so I was gave passes to many former Olympians. Here's a bloke who's held a record since 1968. He was bypassed. He was invited by the US Track and Field Association to attend the Sydney Olympics. So even though he holds the Australian record and he holds it for 49 years now, he was invited by the Australian Olympic Committee to the last Australian Olympics. Now, again, the AOC's publicly denied they've targeted him. They say, no, no, mistakes, errors, raspberry, raspberry, excuse, excuse. Even the federal lie, lie. Even the federal parliament in 2012 passed a motion respecting Peter Norman. Um here in Melbourne, we know a few people from 3CR, like the Anarchist Show in the Morning with Dr. Joe Toscano, are organising a campaign to build a statue to recognise Peter Norman for his civil rights activities. And um, yeah, Monday, October 9th is recognised as Peter Norman Day. Well, I first heard about Peter Norman, really, though, from you, Glenn, though, though I can recall the events in 1968, mm. I can't remember the date, but I do remember seeing that photo was all across the front page of the the uh, Sun News Pictorial. Yes, I recall there. that. It's a pure, the whole front page was a picture, mm. and it was this sort of shocking, this shock, horror, look what these black men are doing. Mm. And there wasn't even a mention of Peter Norman's name, which you could see him standing there yeah. on the third thing. He was third place. He was second. He was second. silver. Tommy Smith, Tommy Smith and John Carlos were the Afro-American athletes, and Peter, Peter Norman was silver medalist, came second. And he was standing there on the... Uh, on the podium. It? On the podium with them. But I didn't, if I, I suppose his name was there at the time, but it, it didn't connect with me because the story was about these outrageous, these uppity blacks, yeah. basically. But, and I didn't really hear about Peter Norman except from you, and that was last century you told me about Peter mm. Norman and explained. Well, he died on October 3rd, 2006, and the US Track and Field Federation has declared October 9. But Davy's funeral as Peter Norman Day. So as I said, there's a push in Melbourne for a statue recognising Peter Norman. And I think about, you know, he was a man, who, his records have not been broken, but he never ran for Australia again. And it's like Adam Goods, I mean, the horrible treatment Adam Goods endured two years ago in the football field, the ongoing racism, because he had a temerity to take a stance. And Dr. Adam Goods. This is what happens. You're like Dr. Adam Goods or Peter Norman, and you take a stand on behalf of those that are oppressed. You are very quickly shunted sideways. It's never overt. It's never openly said. But, um, yeah, Peter Norman Day is something we can work towards to recognise a great Australian, a man who had decency, had the, the temerity to see through the bullshit around him and take a brave, principled stand. So, valet Peter Norman, and let's see if a campaign to build a statue gets off the ground and if it does fantastic work, a great way to recognise a wonderful figure. We could actually, we could possibly replace a couple of statues. I could replace numerous statues. And again, we could replace, instead of having the, the Queen's birthday, we have Peter Norman Day, recognising a great... Fi- well, Peter Norman's done more for the world than Queen Betty Windsor. Yeah, well, yes, but that's... You can't yeah. take away the monarch's holiday. Look, sorry, that's a I'm holiday. I'm on a soapbox, sorry. For, for which people have, you know, 
For which people are very grateful for all, particularly Australian workers, they're very grateful for that holiday that the monarch gives them okay. once a year, what, whatever the date may be. It's not arbitrary, okay. it's a movable feast. But so, so don't take away. Are you frowning there, Glenn? Oh, there's some, some noises. Maybe it's gremlins I can hear in the no, studios. No, I think that's my stomach growling. <laughs> so. Anyway, Peter Norman Day. I, I hope you. I hope the microphone didn't pick that up. October the 9th is recognised by the US Track and Field Federation as Peter Norman Day. And it's a great day to recognise a great contribution. And not just, and that's how this week starts on the 9th. 15th of October is Sunday. And it's 47 years today, on, sorry, on Sunday, since the Westgate Bridge collapsed. Mm, yes. One of the worst industrial accidents in Australia. The worst, uh, surely. Yeah, probably, yeah. I mean, there's a 58 metre fall. I think 35 workers were killed when the spans fell. And it didn't happen because of an act of God or work. No, it didn't. It happened because the negligence, the it happened because of greed of those overseeing the process. And well, I um, say because of greed. Mm, but there was a, 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 a gap opened up on between spans 10 and 11. And, um, you know, they, they just didn't respond quick enough to close the gap and the bridge collapsed, you know. And again, Australian workers have had a long tradition of fighting hard for their health and safety work. An example of the Westgate Bridge Collapse emphasised the important role of unions and making it a safe workplace for workers. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a long time ago, but it's 47 years ago. Mm, what have we learned from that day, you know? I looked at some recent figures. Um, as of the 27th of September, 120 workers have died in Australia this year. The How mo- many? As of September 27, 120 workers have died so far in Australia. There's been 120 work-related deaths in Australia this year. This year? This year. The most prevalent area for deaths, and I'm a bit surprised, is transport, warehousing and postal. 47 deaths. I'm, I'm surmising they might be truck drivers. Transport, yeah, well, uh, warehousing. And postal. I'm a bit surprised. I mean, I, I don't get the concise breakdowns, like the, the headings. Not the concise breakdowns. 27 agriculture and forestry. Mm. A lot of those are farmers, you know, the backbone of the nation, who take no concern for their own safety and die in rolling tractor accidents. Rolling tractors, yes. That seems to be a thing, doesn't it, the rolling tractors? I'm a farmer. I'm 61 years of age. I know what I'm doing. And then they die. And the third highest group of those killed at work is construction, 23. And again, those that die on the work were construction workers. They were riggers. They were construction they were scaffolders. workers. And, and, um, they were dogmen. Since um, this government, this body we laughingly refer to as the government, oh, sorry. Okay. Oh, no, it's all right. I'm just, I just get too distressed about Count it. Count to I'm ten. No, it's all right. I can't count to ten. I just get too distressed about it. You know I get distressed about it, Glenn. The men who die in the construction industry when they don't have to. There is no need for them to do it. After unions, particularly like, you know, the ABCE and BLF fought so hard for safety conditions. Now we have the CFMU still fighting for safety conditions, trying to get back Save the conditions that they used to have, hmm. and money is being spent on um, lots of money. Money is being spent on these sort of spies, sort of cops, yeah. a cop force to go in and check whether these people are talking to the to their union rep. Keystone cops. Instead of checking to see the safety, well, and, if, and if you 
report something that's a safety breach, well, then you're liable to get kicked off the job and jailed. We've already mentioned the amount of de- workplace deaths in Australia so far this year. Last year in Victoria, there was 26 workplace deaths, the worst since 2009. Last year was the worst year for workplace deaths in Victoria in eight years. And you go back to the Westgate Bridge, I mean, you know, it's, I, I can remember the day vaguely as a kid. I remember my mother said she could she was shopping at Coles in Footscray and she heard the noise and see the, the dust in the sky and stuff. And then 2,000 tonnes. Turn tons collapsed, you know, and it showered nearby houses with mud and goo. And as a two miles where you could hear the impact of the bridge collapsing. And I've um, always said that John Setka, little Johnny Setka, yeah. was at school and they had these things like it sort of was like a play lunch about 11 and they went out into the playground and they saw the bridge fall and little Johnny knew his father was on it. His father survived, did he? Yes, he Good. did survive. Oh, well, he's very sick, of course. I'm reading here about a bloke called a rigger, Des Gibson. Oh yes, yes. He was on the bridge, and he was um he was working on top of the span when it, he said open from like an earthquake gash, and he, he fell forward into the bowels of a hollow span, went down inside, bouncing like a rubber ball all the way to the ground. He was 29 when the bridge collapsed. He turned grey up in months. He had three heart attacks in the next three years, and at 32 he died. Three heart attacks, turning grey from the fall of the bridge. He didn't die on the day. He was killed by the bridge's collapse. That was Des Gibson, one of the riggers, you know. When another bloke died in December 1972 when a rigger fell off the bridge. And again, these are things that safety, as most of my T-shirt often wear says, uh, health and safety is a right and not a privilege. And rights aren't bestowed upon us. It is a right. Rights are fought for and won. They're not bestowed upon us, you know. And it's like, you know, so these are two big events this week. We've had the issue of Peter Norman Day, October 9, a brave man who had the decency to take a stance against racism and for civil rights. And October 15, we have the Westgate Bridge collapse, you know, the loss of lives and importance of health and safety. So they're my two stories, but there's more to come for me, my dear. I'm, I'm a, bit of a bit of a babble here. Um, now, to, to move away from Peter Norman Day and Westgate Bridge, Malcolm Roberts, do you know, if you're not born in Australia... But you're an MP, it's un-Australian to question you? Actually, it's un-Australian <laughs> to kick him out of out of Parliament, he said. Yeah, absolutely. it's un-Australian. Cause I'm not, because I'm not an Australian, it's, it's un-Australian, un-Australian to boot me out. to kick me out. <laughs> well, the, man, the man has no bottom out. He just continues finding new levels of inanity. <laughs> Sorry, continually low levels of, I mean, continual levels of inanity. I like that. But you know what? My first racist reaction to him when I heard him say that, it's not Australian to kick me out. I felt like saying, well, what would you know about Australian? You poppy. Well, he is. He's, he's, the high court couldn't take him seriously then. They couldn't take him or his barrister too seriously. And they basically said, like, okay, come on, wind up. You're, you're wasting our time, please. Yes, basically said you're wasting our time. I mean, I'm not going to discuss the cases of, you know, Canavan or Joyce or Walters. They're separate issues. Um, Malcolm Roberts, his whole spell in Parliament <laughs> is exemplified in his court proceeding. It is inane. I think it's un-Australian to have him there on 77 votes, don't, don't, well, don't you? I'll tell you what, you want to go on your high horse, Susan, huh? The or 200,000 of whatever he gets. The bloke who's anointed to replace him <laughs> oh, no. got 19 first votes. 
<laughs> the next in line on the Wine Nation ticket, who will replace Robert if he's disqualified, got 19 first votes. And you'll think 77 is not many. What about 19 votes in Parliament? I mean, <laughs> goodness me, there are things are crooked in Tullarook. I'll say, if it happens, but you know, it's un-Australian to kick him out of Parliament. Because he's not an Australian. Yeah, and he's because he's not. And they're one nation. No, but he says he is Australian because he feels Australian. But as the judge pointed out, you know, your feelings really have no bearing (laughs) in this matter. You know, I can feel I'm a Martian, but am I going green? I'm from another galaxy. Like, goodness me. It's it's, It's not easy being green, Glenn. It's not easy being Malcolm Roberts, is it? (laughs) (laughs) I kind of prefer to be green, to be honest. (laughs) There's there's some sort of something there. Well, it would make more sense to me, but um, yesterday it was like the lunatics were in charge of asylum. Some Some of the exchanges in the High Court on behalf of his barrister, like, that, goodness that, me. Just, you know, that, that judge was pretty appalled, wasn't he? You can't say pretty appalled. You either are appalled she was disgusted. or you're not. You can't qualify. She made it quite clear. You're wasting our time, please. Yes. What's the point? The point is, I'm yeah, not, what, a, yeah. I'm what, not what, an Australian, but I should be in Parliament. Well, <laughs> excuse me. You kept what, saying, what, you kept what what's the point? Come to the hmm. point, please. It's, I mean, it was... As I said, I I think Malcolm Roberts' stint in the High Court yesterday exemplifies his political career. Yes, I uh, love the fact, too, that he's like that, Matt Canaver, and you blame some woman. You know, it's a woman. Well, he, first of all... Well, Matt, I find... Robert does not take seriously. Robert blamed his sister. He said it was his sister's fault because she told him that he was stateless. And as he said, said, she's more cluey than he is. Well, it wouldn't take much to me. And then he said, no, it wasn't his sister's fault. It was was his wife's fault because she wasn't there at the time. Well, Carnarvon's the one who's saying we should have more faith in God than in parliamentarians. Oh, good God. I mean, mean, this this shows a quality. But he's saying we should have more faith in the farm and the son than an MP is more reliable. And the Holy well, Ghost. What does that mean? You're the saying Holy Spook. We have more emphasis on metaphysics? I mean, goodness me. Seriously, it is a, a sad indictment upon the Australian Parliament currently when people like that can make pronouncements along those that lines. People can people on of that calibre can be voted into a seat. In the last census, you see, there are some figures to that. Mm. Three out of five Australians think religion does more harm than good. Yeah. But ha- and we have what seven? There are seven out of ten Australians, but more than seven out of ten Australians say they have no religion, or if they do, they but they don't have anything to do with it. But why do we have? But a- why are they all? Why are the ones who've got religion? Why are they sitting in Parliament? Or why do we have the parliamentary prayer, as we discussed last week? It's not part of the constitution. So why are we in a nation where there's less and less Christians having every day open for Anglican prayer? And while we're talking about Anglican prayers. An Anglican whatever. That man, Dutton, who has turned oh, me off potatoes for life, I can tell you, I haven't <laughs> eaten one for months. Him, he roast him. He was saying yesterday that, yesterday he was saying that um, he understands, of course, he knows that the uh, yes vote will win in, in, in this poll. So he's taking, he's taking steps now to guarantee religious freedom in Australia. Religious freedom in but Australia. But when was it ever taken away? What, what, about religious, what about religious paying taxes in Australia? 
What about freedom from bloody religion? Indeed. Okay, you want freedom. What does freedom entail for you? We're paying taxes for starters, you know. Mm. Now, I said to you last week about the use of English language over the years. Now, I did find the article um, back in 2013. Remind me of what we were talking about. Uh, the way words have changed over the years, oh. how words become more sort of greed-oriented. In 2013, researchers at the University of California, LA, put, this is, here you go, they put 1.5 million English language books in what's called the Nagram Viewer, a tool that catalogues phrase usage in order to count the frequency of words used. Over the last 200 years, there's been ever increasing use of acquisitive words get, unique, individual, self, Choose. While over the same period, words like same, sorry, over the same period, words like give and oblige decrease. The pattern was only broken briefly in the period between the 1940s and 1970s, when there's more egalitarianism in the capitalist world. So that's, so that's the thing is uh, our, our language is so much premised towards words like here, yeah, like get, self, choose, more so than give and oblige. And it just emphasise the pernicious nature of a social system we live under. Yes, I'll say. And of course, I was thinking after you'd... you'd um, now, that I, now that you have reminded me, thank you, we were discussing language last week. Well, on my way home, mm-hmm. I was um, thinking um, of Shakespeare and, 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 how, and uh, the smell of a rose and the stink mm. of a rose. Because the word stink... Just meant, you know, you could smell something. Oh, look, the stink of this rose. That was fine. Mm. And uh, then it became somewhat later, you didn't say stink. You said smell because stink wasn't particularly as nice as smell. Mm. And then you stopped saying smell and you started saying aroma because, you know, smell wasn't nice. And even aroma Mm. isn't nice. Now we say perfume, which I see as a, a message of Class, stink is Saxon. Okay. And as you move further up, you move into the Norman French, where it was a matter of class. You don't go around using Saxon words because they're really lower class, aren't they? Well, you, you've got me going because I'm looking at some stuff from Raymond Williams about this, the, the roots of class discourse in English language. And he's saying French words and Saxon words were weighted differently. Um, words that were sort of Saxon-based, like base, villain, bore, chul, with the poor. Well, terms which are more French, like genteel, proud, rich, used for aristocracy. Yes, so the Saxon words were used for the poors, yeah, the and the French were used for the rich, yes. What, what I've always found amazing, I've always shown my children this when they were very small, because I find it it's quite amusing, really. It's about who does the work. Mm. And it was the Saxons and their words for mm. the animals in the fields and the grains of the field and the Normans, the barons who mm. sat in their manors. Mm. Well, the barons ate pork, but the Saxons tended swine. Mm. And even mutton. Well, the barons ate mouton, whereas the uh, uh, Saxons tended sheep. They also tended kine, whereas the barons ate birth. Mm. It's just that one's the cooked version and the yeah. other one's the one that you showed you who did the work oh. in Norman, England. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it's just well, a silly thing. It's well, just a silly Williams. thing aside, listener, I know, but just something about no, the English language. it's not silly. It's important. Like, as Raymond Williams is a great figure, Raymond Williams is a great um, 
great Marxist literature writer, and he wrote in his work, The Long Revolution, back in 1961, the difference, the emphasis on the Saxon words be the French words, and those emphasis pertains to class roles. And, uh, in, 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 interesting, now you said proud, rich, and honour. Hmm. Very proud, much, very proud, much ruling class words. Proud, honor. gentle, and rich. Proud, gentle, and, and rich. And honour, that's a French, that's a Norman French Whereas word. Here, whereas the, the more lower, the working, the peasants were boar, villain, churl, base, yeah. which suggested low birth. Oh, of course it does. And it's, um, language is interesting. It's, I uh, am d- descended from some, some churls, I'm sure. Oh, you know. Though I can still say, oh, you churl. Aunty Churley? Yes, you know her, don't you? <laughs> Aunty Churley. Very base. Mm. Also very gentile, too. But yeah, I'm just saying <laughs> gentle. Very gentile. Gentle. We're not bringing religion into this here. Yeah. Thank you very much. This we, is, we this have, is a religion-free radio. Well, it, well, we have a religion-free constitution, but we don't sort of adhere to it. So we do. To, we don't adhere to it, as we discussed last week. But yeah, we've covered a few things today. We've covered issues of um, language and its origins and words had it been appropriate over the last few hundred years. We've discussed Peter Norman Day and um, whether there should be a statue for him. The collapse of the Westgate Bridge and the loss of life and the fact that um, workers' lives are sort of expendable, you know. We, uh, we don't seem... We don't really... You know, we used to, often used to have figures in the, um, in the Herald Scum, the men of, you know, deaths and overdoses and stuff and car crashes. Were the figures of work-related deaths? And I just mean those killed you on the did, day. didn't you? They used to yeah. have, there was a campaign called 1078. Yes, I recall that. And also in the heroin issues late 90s, early, early 2000s, like a daily death toll. Well, what are deaf, daily death toll those die from work? They had them over Easter. Hmm, the road toll. Don't they? Well, the road toll. I like to be those actually killed in, on the indeed. day. Those who die from... You know, from diseases enhanced by work or asbestosis or mesothelioma. And the same as Or work. stress. Or there's a whole range of work factors which cause death, you know. And it's, the same it's as we're pushing ways to keep account of how many women were murdered this week. Absolutely, you know. Let's, let's look at these horrible, these horrible statistics and say, okay, there's something wrong with the system that causes this. Isn't it time this system got rid of? We moved on. The same system which has us prying in Parliament every day, like, goodness me. Goodness me. That's, I'd rather say that than say religious term. Well, I'm using my French Quebecois yeah. religious terms, and I really like them. Good. Sensibois. Sensibois. Holy chalice. Holy chalice. Holy chalice. Holy, who it's, might argue? Holy it, chalice. It's a bit like Batman and Robin, isn't it? Yes. You know, where that name's... Get the, the Batmobile. The, the, those languages. That's Jumpin' Jehoshaphat, which yes. is a religious term as well. Oh, Jehoshaphat. Who was he? He was a... Well, it was a way of Old say, Testament, wasn't it? It was a way of saying God's name without saying God's name. Wasn't it from the Old Testament, Jehoshaphat? Yeah, well, that's God's name without saying it. Yeah. You're not supposed to say it, I believe. I'm not sure. And like Beelzebub, the fallen angels, Old Testament... Yeah. Was Beelzebub? Yeah, the fallen angel. Lucifer was also a fallen angel. He came oh, later. Oh, he was the, uh, the beautiful angel. Light. His name is Light. But Light turned to darkness. and Well, he, he fell. Fell into darkness. Because, because he questioned. How dare you question? He questioned. And that's the moral in the story of Lucifer, the angel of light. Don't question. Don't question. Know your place and stay Know there. your place. Anyway, that's basically what it says. It's, uh, I know my place. and I've, no, Interesting, um, you can say, oh, look, I don't know. In my generation, listener, when we were growing up, my mm. God, we were full of ourselves. We were full of it. But we really thought we'd seen the end of war and we thought we'd seen the end of religion because we were 
clever. We were, as I've said before, we, my generation was the best fed, best educated white children this country had mm. ever seen. That's modernity. And we could see that religion was a joke. But religion, and numbers. War are, was a joke, an evil joke. As we discussed last week, but numbers of religious strains are falling. There's less and less people identifying for religion. Mm. But the power of religion is even stronger. In anyway, the government, it is. Why are they voting for? Look, if, you, if you're an atheist, why are you voting for some crank well, I don't. Who, who talks to, talks to fairies in, in, in the sky? Rubbish. The Gibberish. flying spaghetti man, as my grandchildren call him. As um, Stephen Hawking called him too. Anyway. Yes, it's Dr. Stephen Hawking's term. But professor. Of course, but of course, sorry, Professor Stephen Hawking, probably the most clever man we have alive. Indeed, the greatest living brain. And, uh, but of course, my grandchildren always call him, the, always refer to the, great, to the flying... Flying um, spaghetti man. Spaghetti man. Ever know I've told them I'm um, a pastafarian. Well, if I'm going to be a religionist, I'm going to be a, a pastafarian, and I want a photograph for, on my passport with a, a, a colander on my head. Fair enough. Because that's been let two people now have been allowed yeah. by the English courts to have a photograph. For on their passport with a colander on their head because it's their religion. Who am I to argue? If other people can wear, um, who am I to argue? A turban or a tabush yep. or whatever they put on their heads because it's a religion, they them. can. Okay, mm. time for me to go, my dear. Remember there was um, yeah. some problem with some bus drivers a few years back. It was when Abel Guterres was driving the buses. Yeah, what happened there? Before Abel became what the. <laughs> Head of East uh, Timor Leste. Yeah, the sort of consul ambassador for Australia or something okay. from Timor Leste. Mm-hmm. There was trouble because some bus drivers were told not to wear their turbans. Not very good form. And they they do it's their religion. It's a mark Absolutely. of their it's their culture. Imagine if they were Jewish bus drivers in the older, more rigid mm. Jewish Jewish religion. Now you were told, sorry, you can't wear your skull cap while while you're driving. It wouldn't work that way. No. But it, it worked work against some men wearing turbans. Oh. Who has turbans? Six, six. six. The secret turban. Well, it's yeah. goodbye for me. So and it is. You'll have Susanna Duffy continuing on Left After Breakfast and we we might have a special guest. We don't know until well, I walk matter. out. Yes, we never anyway, know. until I walk it's, out I'll say It's like a lucky dip. I will say Chocula. Chocula. Hoy there, shipmates. This is Captain Trash from the Port Phillip Echo Center in St. Kilder. Did you ever hear the crow in the sky going, ah, ah, ah? That stands for reuse, reuse, recycle. And you heard it first on 3CR. Want to support 3CR's diverse and independent voices? Well, it's not too late, and we still need your support. Donate now by calling 9419 8377 or donate online at www.3cr.org.au or post us a cheque or money order to Post Office Box 1277, Collingwood 3066. Send me no more letters Nor ask me how I'm going It might make you feel better But it's none of your business knowing 
none of your business now You say you regret it And hope we can be friends You really just don't get it None of this business can mend None of your business now Tell you what business it is of ours. It's the business of the bagman. Good morning, bagman, and that's everybody's business. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, listeners. Uh, we're a bit light on this morning. Uh, we? Irene Boulders. Um, oh, we can't get too personal, but she's having some sort of sort of operation. Um, some medical procedure. She's been banging the gavel. She was practicing banging the gavel, oh, which right. which is not allowed to. Right. It's not her job to bang the gavel, but so she likes not, to do it. So it's not ten o'clock in the forenoon. No, some distant court somewhere defending some poor innocent young bugger. They're or all whatever. innocent, aren't they? Oh, the jails are full of innocent people. It's weird, that isn't it? I see that uh, a new a new prison was opened the other day. I oh. think it's Ravenhall or something. Oh, state, private, state of the art too. Private prison. Oh well, what 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 else would it be but private? Someone's got to make money out of someone's misery. That's right. Someone's got to make money out of someone's misery. And I've been <laughs> saying for, since 1989, I would like to see a, a list of shareholders of these bloody private prisons. And their relationship to magistrates. Well, you know, you've got Wilson and you've got Serco and whatever that run... Serco? Serco, yes. Serco? Uh, Serco, yes, they're running prisons and whatever. Wilson Wilson Parking um, runs the uh, the uh, asylum centres in on Manus and Nauru, I think, or did. So there's money in uh, money in people's misery for sure. Circo. Circo, yeah. And as you say, money in people's misery. Did you know that last year, well, they judged the years, probably up until end of... Well, anyway, that 45 million calls to Centrelink weren't answered. 45 million calls to Centrelink were not answered. Well, they need a company like Circo to come they in. They have a company like Circo is oh. taking over the phone answering. Oh, well, it's all fixed then. When you're in Centrelink, yeah. you're talking to someone from Circo and giving that person your intimate details. Well, they, they're probably, if 45 million calls unanswered, now if Circo is paid $1 per call per year, um, they'd They'd be making $45 million. Well, it's only costing the government $17 million Oh, really? Oh, per I, year. I was being cynical. Cynical, bitter and twisted. Oh, you're like that, man. Because man. I've been lied to so often, Susan. But it seems so easy, doesn't it? You haven't got enough people to answer the phone calls. Get some more staff. Well, you, you, Why? Should, you should be Prime Minister. <laughs> You should you should be in another place, Susan. It should be in the, in the Australian Parliament. Mm. We need people like you. And it's un-Australian that I'm not there. 
It is un-Australian too. I think that would Malcolm Roberts was arguing. He said it's un-Australian to boot him out. Really? Well, well. Well, I had an immediate racist reaction to that. Really? Really bad racist Did reaction, you? and I apologised for it. Did you? Because I said, oh, you bloody pommy bastard. What <laughs> What would you know about Australia? No, but that's... You a- know, but it's just the way he said it. Eh, it was the wine that he said it in that turned me off, that, that made me become racist. And I do... I apologise to myself for it, and I really you? slapped myself. So I've oh, got to stop saying that. I think that's a term of endearment for well, people that come from yeah. the old dart. Yeah, the old dart. But... Irene is not here with her tool of the week. Oh, really? We'll we'll just have to make one up? Well, I was going to go for my Root Your Boot Award. Oh, that's going back in time. I am, yes. Root Your Boot. And you can give your blown can later. Oh, right. I was... uh, My Root Your Boot Award goes to Glenn Davis. Oh, really? The arch... Glenn Davies. Oh, Davies, oh. Glenn Davies, I'm sorry, he has a, has a similar name to Glenn Davis of yeah. 3CR fame. The Archbishop of Sydney, of Sydney, of the Anglican Archdiocese of Sydney, who has donated $1 million. What, from his own pocket? Of course not. Oh, God, from the Anglican, worried there for a minute. The Anglican Church, he's got oh. it's a root to boot. He's not paying up his own money. they that they have donated $1 million to the No campaign, money they're never going to see again. And it's donated to the No campaign. I, But I do thank him, though, for giving us, doing us all a favour and confirming that in his warped view of the world, the dictates of the Bible should be imposed on all people, on lay people and the largely unbelieving Australians at large and not merely believers. He says, I've got it written down here. Mm. Brothers and sisters. Oh, you got me. The stakes are high and the cost is high, yet the cause is just. And it is a consequence of our discipleship to uphold the gift of marriage as God has designed it. Well, there you go. He got me. Anglican Archbishop, to uphold the gift of marriage as God has designed it. The Anglican Church, the Church of England, who founded the Church of England? I think it was. Was it Henry VIII? (coughs) Yes, and what a staunch... Because he wanted to get divorced. What a staunch upholder of, of marriage as God designed oh, yeah. it was Henry VIII. He chopped the heads off about eight yes, women, didn't great, he? Yes, so he could keep getting married. He's a great, he was a great defender of marriage, oh, Henry well. the bloody eighth. He tried it eight times. He must have liked it. Well, he died the last one, fortunately. He died before he could get to kill, kill, kill his last wife. He probably died of some... But there, But there's... That's the person who founded the the Anglican Church with its ideas of marriage. And here's the Archbishop of the... (laughs) I shouldn't laugh. So So root your boot, Archbishop Davies. So it sounded the more uh, uh, Biden guts uh, than the Catholic Church, obviously. Well, it's founded on a very strange idea of marriage. And obviously the Archbishop of Sydney believes in that idea of marriage as... Put forward as stated by Henry VIII, the founder of his church. You can't say God founded his church because Henry VIII did. I don't care what. I... <sighs> and ap- apologies to all those. Uh, what's the Church of England or Anglican? Yeah, well, same thing. Same thing, is it? Same, yeah. same. Yeah. They stopped calling themselves the Church of England because it sounded sort of English. Like English. So now they just say Anglican. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. We the, he's donated a million dollars. Let's hope it. Uh, Five thousand dollars. He also donated to Stop Violence Against Women. Oh, did he? Which five, is, five grand. Yes. As opposed to a million. As opposed oh, to a million. Can I read something to you? And I'm going to ask you if you can pick the author. Now, you've got to be very patient. I've, because got, to be on, I've, I've got to be on the TV. That's right. I've got mum's glasses on, so I'm not seeing too well, and I don't read too well uh, these days. But you have a guess who this was that said that, and uh, you'll be able to... You'll be enlightened. We live in a continent that is uniquely challenged by climate change. We live in a dry continent that is becoming drier and hotter in the southern part where most of the population lives. And we have witnessed that. We have seen the last decade, the hottest decade on record. The next hottest was the one before that. The next hottest, the one before that. Climate change is real. It is affecting us now and is having a particularly severe impact on Australia. And yet, right now, we have every resource available to us to meet the challenge of climate change except for one, and that is leadership. Guess who it was? Mm. There's a bottle of um, uh, Transport Workers Union Port um, available as the prize. I've still got a couple of bottles of Transport Workers Union Port sitting on my cupboard. Not going to drink them? No, but I'm keeping it for something. Look, if if I run out of gas, I might be able to light it or something. Molotov cocktail or something? Well, who knows? (laughs) Um, Golly, gosh. Some climate scientist? No, 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 politician. A politician. Oh yes, from the other side, from not from our side. Dead? Someone dead? No, no, he's still alive. Although he's a dead man walking, but he's still alive. And it wasn't Tony Abbott. Now all the listeners out there are scratching their heads. Can you just run through some of the important things? Let's hey? just run quickly through it again. What, 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 what did he say? The hottest decade on record, the next hottest was the one before that, the next hottest was the one before that. Climate change is real and it's affecting us now. It is having a particularly severe impact on Australia. And right now we have every resource available to meet the challenge on climate change except for one, and that is... Is leadership. Now, so we have said, every resource available to meet the challenge except leadership. And now, this was said in 2010 at Malcolm, the Deacon lecture. Oh, Malcolm Trumbull. Yeah, you're spot on. Sounded like to, Trumbull to I'm me. I'm going to have to go down to the cellar to find a, an unopened bottle of uh, transport workers in your port, one of those that hasn't burst. Well, it hasn't exploded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, we shouldn't say that. Look, that Transport Workers Union port's really nice. It's really nice port. Oh, it was great give... when we were bottling it, I can it tell was, you. Yes. I don't remember most of the bottling. But back in the 80s, it used to be the first prize on every raffle that went out. It was, also, was the first prize yeah, of a we, bottle of Transport Workers Union That's port. because we could give it away. Second prize, two bottles of Transport Workers <laughs> Union port. No, it was... We, it was it was a very nice drop, and I can remember it being a very nice drop. I'm not sure if I want to try the same drop. I mean, 30 years later, more than 30 years later, I'm not sure if I could handle the, the, the drops I took before, if you know what I mean, listener. Yeah. My stomach's not quite the Takes same. Takes the varnish off the table, Susan. It's well, one of the yes, bottles it of used to. Long. Look, I cleaned the stove with it once, I remember. 
<laughs> so you get <laughs> fabulous stove cleaner. Yeah. That's you. You could resell it back, man. You've got a cellar full. You've got yeah. crates and crates of it down there. Miss the sheen in the bottle. Yes, and while you while you're cleaning the stove, you can have a sip of it. <laughs> I'm not game enough for that. Oh, um, no, look, I'm sorry, I've got all these marketing ideas going into my head now. Let's yeah, make, I'm sick yeah. of seeing all these people like Malcolm Roberts get $200,000 for being stupid. Why can't I market Transport Workers Union port a stove cleaner? That's right. And uh, No offence to Transport Workers Union. I'm sorry that Union. the very likeable um, Irene Bolger's not here today um, because we do miss her. And she was talking about last week about the... Um, uh, private schools and the amount of money that they get and there's apparently uh, 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 independent schools have been accused of gaming the system to almost double their federal funding for students with a disability. Now, apparently, all of a sudden, these dis- dis- disability students are being found in um, these private yes. schools. And because of that disability, the school gets more funding. Well, of course, when I first heard that, I, I thought, well, it's all these incredibly rich people with their stupid, senseless sons. Maybe they've been inbreeding too much. That's right. Apparently, apparently, uh, a rare moment of unity, apparently the Australian Education Union, which I have a great respect for, and the Catholic Education uh, have joined calls for an independent review yes. for the new disability tie, uh, tied to uh, the school funding. Now, apparently... The funding was previously based on medical assessment. So if you're if you were a stupid young woman or man from a rich family, you had to go off to the doctor um, mm. to uh, so he'd write out a script to say that you're you're silly. Um, but apparently, this new disability scheme is based on guess what? What the teachers' assessment? Oh, the teachers' yes, assessment. the teacher. My guy, yeah, my school. Must have been dripping with gold back in, the, back in those days if this was brought in. But apparently the teacher's assessment. How's and that? they get money for it. They get heaps of money. So I've got Lots a class. Of money. Let's say it's a perfect class uh, with 18 students, which is to me, and that's the best ratio, 18 students. They're all top-paying students, of course. And my pr- pr- principal says to me, she says, hey, Susie, if... If you've got anyone in your grade that's a bit chonky, we get three times the funding for them. Really, I yeah. say. <laughs> really? So I look at the 18 thing, and I, th- I was like, yes, well, one, two, three, four, five, seven of them for sure, or maybe eight. Definitely, Jeff and I write down chonky, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Chonky, wonky, and <laughs> yeah. And dippy in, in the head. Of course I would. And I'd get a rise, I reckon, in my salary. Would you ever? Would nice ever... bonus at the end of the year. A holiday in Paris, I reckon. Well, I don't know why, uh, first of all, people send their children to um, private schools because state schools are great schools. Um, and I don't know why uh, continuous governments, both of both flavours, uh, continue to support these private schools. Well, we support them. We're paying for about. it. It's our money. Oh, no, it's our money, but we have no decision about where it goes. Anyway, talking about dills. Yes. Rich dills. Yes. I was watching Q&A the other night. Oh, dear. Uh, look, sometimes you can watch it and sometimes it's absolutely boring. Um, but uh, there was a person in the audience 
that um, said that uh, apparently 3,000 people, gay men and women, have committed suicide. Um, now, apparently, Matt Cannelloni, or Matt Canavan, Mr Cannelloni, uh, jumped on this person from the audience to say, that's, co- that's incorrect, you had no right to say that uh, um, uh, 3,000 people... No, three thousand uh, had uh, had committed suicide because it was only it was only two thousand eight hundred. That's the type of person we have making decisions for us. Fortunately, maybe after today or Monday, uh, Matt Cannelloni won't be there anymore. But it won't worry Matt too much because he'll go straight to a job with Adani. Will he? Well, obviously, oh, that's right. he's been promoting. Well, Adani, he's well, he's he? the minister for Adani, isn't he? Oh, never thought of that. Oh, yes, you did, Bagman. Did I? No, yes. I don't think that way, Susan. I try to think, I try to be very, very fair. Well, I think, you know, Bagman, why didn't we years ago take up politics? And who would we be working well, for we now? We did. Yeah, I, I, I know, but who would we be working for now? Well, it wouldn't be for Adani. Be working for someone like, you know, the Marxist Organisation of Europe or something. You'd, yeah. That, You'd be working for them and getting kickbacks from them. Of course. And I'd be, I don't know, there'd be someone, the Rainbow Alliance, that they'd be paying me. Yeah. We'd be working for these sort of, we'd be shifty pollies too. I mean, there's no one we could work for. Um, but there Mind are, you, we might are. be happy just with our parliamentary salaries, mightn't we? And the pension. And the pension. Uh, look, I know some good politicians. Um, I've grown up with good politicians and I regard some of them as my friends. Uh, but when you get into factionals or factions and factional deals and whatever, uh, there are some stupid people uh, being uh, appointed or elected to parliament that we have really no choice uh, in who they are. The factions throw them up and the factions demand that we vote for them. Anyway, mm. yeah. well, I've got the form guide for tomorrow. That's all. That's all I need to. Uh, I can look into the future, Susan, and think, well, it can't be so bad. Um, you got the form the ra- guide? Yeah, at least the races are on tomorrow. Ah. Anyway, the, um, the Abbott Turnbull government uh, squandered about $20 million on a Royal Commission to demonise Labor's home insulation scheme. Now, you remember that? Yes, I remember it. I think it was brought in by Rudd, um, the scheme to, um, uh, to install... Um, Dingbats or whatever. Yeah, dingbats. Dingbats. Um, we're not talking about Parliament now. We're talking about dingbats in the roof of uh, people's homes. Gay dingbats, weren't they? Yeah, that's right. Pink. And uh, some young people died. Yes, uh, they did. People died. Nobody has ever Nothing been... Nothing to do with bloody the government at the time. It was... Sorry, but go nobody's on. Nobody's ever been brought to justice for that because uh, there were accountants, there were taxi drivers, there were... Uh, Street sweepers and whatever, nothing against street sweepers, of course, who uh, who dived into this program and thought they were going to make plenty of money out of it installing these dingbats uh, in people's rooms. Well, some young people died because they weren't trained properly, unqualified, unqualified, uh, but the blame goes back uh, on the Labor government. But apparently uh, Minister Craig Laundy refuses to ban cladding, which fueled the Greenfell Tower 
inferno that killed at least 80 people. At now, least. he refuses to ban that uh, particular substance. And we've seen the Lacrosse building here. We've seen yeah. the Greenfell building uh, in London where 80 people were killed. But I wonder about the mentality of these people. What do we need to do? Uh, do we need a mass um, uh, fire... Uh, massive. Apparently we do. Apparently we do. To Perhaps make... in Parliament House. Yeah. Has that got cladding? Perhaps yeah. in Point Piper. Maybe if a few houses went down in Point Piper, we'd we'd get better action. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm I serious. You know, well, I'm sure you are. You you're nothing but serious all the time, Susan. <laughs> um, but oh, capitalism doesn't make you worry. They refuse to ban. This uh, these this insulation that is on something like at least a thousand buildings in Sydney and the same amount here, they're going to have to catch fire before we can uh, make these politicians sit up and think um, a little bit more. Why was it banned? Does he have? Did he state a reason? This laundry, laundry. Oh, no, what's his name? Apparently, he said it's, uh, it can still be used on small shops and. Uh, small buildings and like whatever. Like asbestos sheeting can still be yeah, used in like, these places. Like sm- small shops and small buildings won't catch on fire. Um, so you can use it, you know. What is the thinking of these people? I, I don't know. What is the thinking? Or is it small shops and small buildings don't count? Maybe they don't vote? No, not as many people in them. So only oh. two or three people may die at a time. Unless there's a Ceylon in the shop or something. We are and you might have ten people in there. Look, one person dying in a fire which could have been avoided is one too many. But I don't know. You would have thought after that dreadful, that dreadful fire in London and all the exposure we saw around the world of it, the dreadful images we saw, and then we learned about the flooding, the cladding, the flatting, the flammable cladding or inflammable, I'm never sure of those words, the flammable cladding that caused it all to do all this. And then we learned that we had that flammable, flammable, flammable cladding here in Australia, in fact, in Melbourne. And now we have a minister saying he's not going to ban it. No. Why? Well, apparently, Someone's making money out of it. Oh, well, absolutely. And it's, they're, it's they're, that minister. They're normally, um, yeah, well, the minister too, but uh, it's normally crook and shonky um, developers and whatever. But the Property Council of Australia um, um, wants it banned uh, and apparently the Labor-chaired Senate committee uh, wanted it banned also. But uh, Craig Lundy said the proposal would ban, would ban a material that can be legally used in shop fronts and outdoor signage. Well, then, then we have to change the law, don't we? And say no, we have we... to change the government. Oh. Um, and it, I'm not all that enthused by the opposition government. <laughs> no, change the law and say this cannot be le- legally be used. Yeah. And then that would... No, there's, there are people importing this stuff who obviously said to this Lundy Bundy, what his name is... So Craig Lundy. Craig Lundy. Well, right, Craig Laundy said to him, listen, mate, don't ban it. We're making money from it and here's a quick, uh, under, here's this paper bag. Oh, we here's, can't here's, say that. Oh, no, sorry. If, if I were in my council, my legal council was sitting here at the moment, she would have you apologising. Um, yeah, but she's not. Tenfold. <laughs> she's not, so you went ahead and said it anyway. 
I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't talk about paper bags. No, that's I right. I mean, we haven't spoken about paper bags since that great leader. Since the leader. days of Bjelke Peterson. And Queensland Coppers. Now it got run running in the place. There was a crook if you ever seen one. Well, I'm not inferring this Craig Lundy is a crook. Oh, I'm, no. I'm inferring he's a politician. No, I'm inferring that... Um um, Bjorki Peterson was a crook. Well, he was. You don't have to infer. We can state. And besides, he's dead. He can't sue. He is dead, isn't he? Um, the last time we looked, he was dead. Um, they put a slab of concrete ah, on his on to his, make sure on his funeral to make sure that the old bastard didn't rise again. And we can uh, eat chocolates now. Can eat chocolates? What's that got to do with it? Remember, he banned. Um, some chocolates from New Zealand. Did he? He said no imports from New Zealand when uh, New Zealand went to their nuclear free zone. Oh, right. He was saying, how socialists down south. And he banned imports from New And it turned out the only thing that they got in Queensland from New Zealand were chocolates. Yeah. So there were all these, cho- these chocolate addicts wandering around dying. And, of course, they had to flee south too. He lost another... You know, 100,000 Queenslanders who managed to escape to safety across the border. Can you cross the border now or, or do you have to face Well, a, you can't a cross them if you're holding hands with somebody else. You're not allowed to have a meeting of more than two people. Remember that law that was yes, brought in? Yes, yes. Uh, can I just say something? It's, Please uh, do. Dawn 58, we've got, to, we've got to be hurrying up. Penalty rates this week, uh, ah. there was a, um, a high court decision um, uh, against uh, Fair Work Australia about um, about them abolishing penalty rates and whatever, and the, the unions lost that case, unfortunately. But what I found amazing and also confusing was that two unions, United Voice, which is a good union, and the Shop Assistance Union, which is as crooked which is as not. the dog's hind leg, <laughs> um, were both the appellants in the case. Now, how can the Shop Assistance Union be the appellant in the case um, to retain penalty rates when they've already done dirty deals with major employers like Coles, Woolworths, uh, McDonald's, uh, every leading pizza chain and whatever. They've already agreed to abolish penalty rates in their enterprise agreements over the years. Now, it's just confusing that one of those organisations... Uh, such as the Shop Assistance Union was up there saying, oh, no, you shouldn't abolish penalty rates. We've done it, but you shouldn't do yeah. it. <laughs> Golly, it makes you wonder. It makes you, oh, no, I was going to be rude about that, but I'm not going to because it's 9.59 and it's coming up to 10 o'clock in the forenoon, Susan. Yes, indeed. So let's go out in the same old way. Why not? Dare to struggle. Dare to win. If you don't fight, you lose. Good morning from left after breakfast. I feel like going back home right now while the mangoes are ripe. Friend, your penny's starting to bloom And them blue bones starting to bite Hey, Mum, I can just taste your fish super rice 
I'm coming back home to you Connect the pace of the city life Soon I'll be dreaming and brew 